Welcome to the Fod Eater Fod Path. <laughs> what is up, everybody? It's Froth here from the Thought Eater Podcast and blog. Hope you're doing well. Thank you, as always, for listening, and welcome to another exciting edition of Hump Day Blogorama. Weekly show where I'm talking about cool stuff I spotted on RPG blogs. I yap about it here at length on the podcast, and then I put all the links that I discuss over on the Thought Eater blog. You can Google Thought Eater blog or go to frothsoftfrothsofdnd.blogspot.com. I'm recording this on Tuesday, but I was considering delaying it. I had a slight headache, but I had something else that I wanted to do on Wednesday, and there's just not enough time in the day to keep putting it off and uh, trying to figure out alternate times. So here we are. Uh, listeners that check out my Sunday shows will have noticed we didn't have a game last weekend. Uh, had a couple last minute cancellations. And uh, it's, it's a bummer because we're not going to play this weekend. So that game is kind of... It always gets spotty around football season whenever the dogs play on Saturday nights. I don't run the game. And uh, so we didn't end up playing, so it's going to be one of those, another one of those uh, great kind of two-week breaks. It really keeps the game fresh in everybody's mind. But uh, the show must go on. And the game will roll on, but uh, for those of you that listen to those and enjoy them, I apologize. Uh, it couldn't be helped. No game, nothing really to talk about, so. That said, I've got a ton of stuff for y'all today on the Hump Day. Ton of cool stuff. Lots of Dave Arneson talk going on. Uh, October 1st is Dave Arneson Day in honor of uh, Dave, Arneson's, Dave Arneson's birthday. So, a bunch of Arneson stuff coming up. You're going to be hearing lots of Arneson stuff, I'm sure, over the month of October from other legendary Anchorites uh, doing RPG podcasts here on Anchor. It's the Anchorites Appreciate Arneson Month. So, if you're following along with too many awesome podcasts to name, um, uh, but uh, a bunch of them, you're going to be hearing a bunch of Arneson stuff. I think I'll throw some stuff out there too at strategic points but anyway that is enough yapping about all that enough intro i've got a couple call-ins we're going to get into so let's check it out hi broth it's Laren. you were talking about character sheets in today's episode and you know i have to tell you that character sheets are really important when you're new uh, i really enjoyed the games that use playbooks which i think you said um, you made one that was in the format of a zine. That might be what you're talking about. I just know I played in a Monster Hearts game and a Tales from the Loop game, and both of them had the eight and a half by 11 folded in half printed on both sides, and they call them playbooks. But whatever you call them, that's very helpful. In the case of Monster Hearts and Tales from the Loop, there are some details about the type of character that you can play that I just found incredibly helpful. It really helped me to immediately immerse in the game and not feel like it was all based on whether or not I could be creative enough, which I really appreciated. 
That is Liren there from Updates from Middle of Nowhere. And Liren, well, first of all, she's talking about the final topic from last week's hump day. I was talking about this post on character sheets over at Ben Lawrence's blog, and it has all these amazing character sheets. So that was uh, a topic from last week that she's referring to. And, you know, I completely blanked. I should have mentioned something. It's such a great point about character sheets and new players. And really, when I think about it, it's like the confusion. Like, for example, in the um, in that post, there was like the Numenera character sheet that's beautiful, it's ornate, it's, you know, arcane and inscrutable and strange and beautiful. It's also the kind of thing you set in front of a new player and they're like, what the hell? Their eyes crossed. There's no way they can even make any sense of looking at it. So... You know, uh, a lot of those character sheet designs are not great for new players. And I know setting a character sheet down in front of a new player is always like, it's almost like you feel sorry doing it because there's a lot of stuff they're barely going to need, you know, maybe ever. There's, they're rarely organized with the most crucial information where it needs to be. And it's just a guaranteed kind of way a lot of the times with new players to to make them uh, apprehensive about playing. And it's always that way. I remember doing it, you know, for my, my daughter when uh, it's almost the same thing I say to her that I'll say to a new player. It's like, don't even worry about the sheet right now. We'll, we'll get to it. You know, <laughs> don't even think about it. You know, don't even think about that mess of, of terms and numbers that's uh, completely confusing, you know. Um, so, yeah, but good points all around. I appreciate your, your calling in. And um, I got a couple of other call-ins I'm going to play now that were in relation to a podcast I did about upcoming, uh, well, game prep for some time down the road, um, Savage Worlds East Texas University I'm doing. I basically talked about it. You can find the, the podcast. It's uh, Froth Goes Back to School, and I'm, I'm setting this in the 80s. The, the whole setting is set out of college, so I was talking about 80s music and 80s culture and everything bringing into that game. So if you want to go back and listen to that one, uh, it might be a fun listen for you if you're if you're into uh, if you have you know fond memories of the '80s, <laughs> uh, grew up in that time or whatever. But uh, I've got a couple call-ins now from uh, Evil Jeff and Jason. Hey, this is Jason here. Enjoyed listening to you explain how you're getting ready to go back to school. I always thought East Texas University was a neat setting. I look forward to hearing about it. And of course, the '80s. You know, we grew up in that era, so all that's wonderful stuff. Look forward to hearing as it progresses. Take care. Keep up the good work. Froth, Evil Jeff. Been a couple of seconds since I've talked to you last. Just listened to the East Texas University podcast. Um, you're asking about 80 stuff, and that's definitely in my wheelhouse as well. And you got to music, and I know you're pretty well stocked on music. But let me let me say this to add a little extra flavor. One thing I've actually done with my youngest minion recently. A to aggravator, but B exposure to other music because I'm not sure if this child has any music sense whatsoever or even wants to listen to music. Scary thought in my house. But I, over the last couple weeks, have been like, hey, pick a uh, pick a year, and then she'll pick a year, and I'll find out what the top ten songs were on this date for that year. Well, I usually pull up. Hang on, got Jackson. So I'll just 
put into a search engine top songs on this date and whatever year. And I'll usually go to the Billboard site and look at the chart for that week. I would suggest to you to expand beyond what you, all the top songs. So usually the top songs are going to be top 20, maybe top 40. But dial it back a little bit. Look at some of those top 100 songs. I think I've got an Excel file that was just all of the songs that charted in the top 40 from 1979 through 1989. I think that's what I've got. And I've been thinking about expanding it. Uh, I'll send that to you and let you kind of peruse through it. You'll find some very interesting things in there. Keep on keeping on. We'll talk to you later. That's Evil Jeff from Minions and Musings and Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast. A couple of awesome podcasts here on Anchor. And uh, yeah, I'm super pumped. Like, I'm. It's sad to say, but it's like I'm almost like shunning my D and D campaign in my mind. Like, I know where it's going, and I we'll see if we get there. I know I've, it's we've got a long ways left to get through this box. Uh, you start to see why so many people abandon the night below. Now, I don't. I'm not going to abandon it. So I don't want any listeners to be like, "Oh, what bait and switch from froth." It's not that we'll we'll get through it, but I I can't help but fantasize about this Savage Worlds 1980s game. For one thing, for the setting, you know, horror, college, horror, comedy, and for the other thing, uh, the new Savage Worlds is just awesome. But um, but Jeff, yeah, that is so awesome going and doing that with your daughter. I, you know, I I try to expose my daughter to as much you know, different kinds of music as possible. So she was singing, you know, I love rock and roll when she was, I've got a video of her singing it when she's like two or three, as well as, uh, um, cherry bomb from, from the runaways. And, uh, even just recently we've got this mix of songs she likes that I'll play driving her to school. And it's like, got don't worry, be happy on there. It's got video killed the radio star on there. um, she loves some Eddie money. She's got good taste, I must say. Uh, but, uh, yeah, shoot me that Excel spreadsheet. Having all the top 100s throughout the 80s um, in one file would be great. Um, that would that would be awesome. So, you know, frost off of Gmail, so I'd love to see that. But thanks for the input, and that sounds like a really cool thing to do with your daughter. Uh, sounds awesome. So, all right, y'all ready? Let's do it. All right, so as I mentioned at the beginning, there's a lot of Arneson stuff going on. Uh, Dave Arneson Day, Dave Arneson's birthday, October 1st. Of course, you know, one of the fathers of D&D. Um, so a lot of love being shown for Arneson out there on the blogosphere, and uh, that'll be an th- ongoing theme throughout October. As I mentioned, you'll be hearing a lot of your favorite anchorites, legendary anchorites podcasting about various Arneson-related topics, but... Going over to creativemountaingames.com, Mark Clover over there um, has a has a post, uh, you know, in honor of Arneson. Uh, it's got stuff over at the old school FRP Tumblr, uh, cool picture, Temple of the Frog picture, and, and some words about Arneson. Uh, over at the uh, Direbane blog, direbane.blogspot.com, it's got a post saying Happy Arneson Day. That's Matrox Lush's blog. Uh, DM David, who's come up a few times, dmdavid.com. 
had a post that's that's just kind of it's called how Dungeons and Dragons got its ability score scores, and uh, it's kind of like a history retrospective sort of blog. But it you know Arneson's Blackmore game comes up uh, you know in that conversation, so I thought I'd share it here as well. And then where you're going to probably see the most uh, coverage, the most uh, Arneson related stuff, uh, they've been doing it all week over at Havard's Blackmore blog, blackmoremastara.blogspot.com. Havard, uh, let's see, I put up a couple of links here. I put up one, you know, first of all, to get to all this stuff, you might just want to just go to the just main page because there's so much of it. But um, they had put up a post about Dave Arneson game day. And then I, I put up a, po- uh, a link that's got the labels for the whole Blackmore week that they've been doing. Uh, because uh, they've been doing awesome stuff all week, including all these people. Now, you need to register over at um, uh, the the for their forums uh, to come back in and everything. Whoops! Sorry about that. I forgot to turn off my notifications. You'll have to register at the come back in to get these. But there's all these source books and files and uh, organized play files for Blackmore campaigns from 3rd edition and 4th edition. Tons and tons of stuff. So, anyway, uh, lots of love going on for Arneson. Uh, and I'll probably keep, that's, some, that's my wife calling, so she's probably going to keep calling, so I'm going to have to end this segment. End this segment right now. <laughs> Wow, so how about those production values? <laughs> uh, classic anchor stuff. Uh, Rob C. from Down in a Heap did a podcast recently about, you know, Ramblecasts and, you know, rambling on podcasts. And, you know, I was, like to defend Anchor as uh, punk rock podcasting. So, you know, on top of the rambling, you also get, you know, my wife calling in and then you astute listeners will, will have noticed that was Mick Jagger's, uh, um, lucky in love as my, <laughs> as my ringtone, uh, from Mick Jagger's, uh, she's the boss album. So anyway, let's talk about some maps. <laughs> Hopefully that artisan stuff made sense. I know that probably messed up the flow of your listening, but get over to the Thought Eater blog and, and check all that out. Uh, tons of good stuff, lots of downloads and stuff over the Black Mormon Star blog. But all right, as far as the maps go, starting with Dyson, because Dyson, Dyson is always working to improve their craft, you know, and, and Dyson Logos has one of the coolest hex maps I've, I've seen. You know, I love this map awesome looking hex map over at dysonlogos.blog uh described as adventures around jalavec uh but this is one to download and stat up i i I love this thing so when i saw it i was immediately like yep let me download it um and uh so anyway this is a great one so be sure and check that out if you like hex maps and i was over at foot of the mountain adventures hadn't checked in with them for a while uh, Foot of the Mountain Adventures has got some awesome um, maps that they post that are available for personal or commercial reuse. And this was Roomscapes in the Forest. I love this one. I like the, the coloring they did on it. This is one that I've saved for myself. Maybe I'll use on a zine or something down the line. So check that out over at Foot, in the Mount, foot of the Mountain Adventures.blogspot.com. 
The Witcher, a series of books, video games that I've never played, but an upcoming um, uh, show that'll be on Netflix that I'll, I'll check out. Uh, popular with a lot of folks, there's actually a Witcher RPG that's come out relatively recently. And over at HeroPress2.blogspot.com, on their Map of Monday post, uh, they did Tamaria from The Witcher. So uh, I guess uh, from the, the Witcher setting, a uh, cool-looking map. I thought I'd put up because I figured there's some uh, Witcher fans maybe that are listening to this. And this one's got kind of like square grids on it. And it, it was reminiscent of uh, legendary anchorite Colin Green's uh, podcast back uh, going back a ways on... Uh, Hex maps and gridded maps and what people like. So this is a, a square gridded map here of Tamaria from The Witcher. And then finally on the maps, a tutorial over at the Storyteller Press, the Storyteller.press. Tutorial, how to draw a fantasy castle map from Paths Peculiar, uh, Nicholas Wisted. And this is uh, really awesome, how to draw a fantasy medieval castle, a killer map. It's got uh, suggested tools. It takes you step by step on doing this. I thought this was really awesome. I know that even if I follow it word for word, I'm not going to get something as good looking as this, but definitely very cool. So if you're a budding cartographer or even an experienced artist that wants to look at how someone else uh, does their thing with the RPG maps, go over and check that out at the storyteller.press. I've got a plethora of reviews and retrospectives for you today. Starting over at Wayne's Books. Love Wayne. Always make Wayne's Books one of the sites you check out if you're looking for something obscure out of print. Wayne put up a kind of retrospective post on Man, Myth, and Magic, a role-playing game of man's greatest adventures from 1982. And this is one that you would always remember from seeing the ads in Dragon Magazine. Not only Man, Myth, and Magic, but... Sky Realms of Jeroen, Bushido, all these kind of <laughs> semi-forgotten games. Uh, so they've got some, some info up about the Man, Myth, and Magic box set from Yaquinto Publications. So check that out if you're into old, obscure games. Um, Vorpal Mace, vorpalmace.blogspot.com. Tomas Ilese, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I love Tomas's blog. Um, doing a review of a Wii Warriors reprint, The Misty Isles. Um, and there, this is a trilogy of adventures, old Wii Warriors modules, and they've also got links within the post to Dwarven Glory and Palace of the Vampire Queen that, um, uh, that they had previously reviewed. So you want to go back in time to really kick it really old school with a, a Wii Warriors reprint, The Misty Isles. Go check that out. Cool stuff. Uh, then there's a great review at Cannibal Halfling Gaming of the recently released Shadowrun 6th edition. Uh, Aaron Marks did a great review over there. And I was, it's so great that it actually kind of depressed me a little bit because part of the reason I avoided getting the Shadowrun 5th edition box set is because uh, Mo over at um, Tabletop Bellhop had, had talked about how much errata it needed and how. It, you know, it was missing whole swaths of rules and was poorly edited. And now it sounds like Shadowrun 6 Edition suffers from the same fate. Um, they like they like the game overall. It's just, it sounds like there is uh, some stuff missing from, you know, errata or not very well organized, not very well explained. 
and it's kind of a bummer. Uh, kind of turned me off on actually buying it, but um, so that's the kind of review you want to read sometimes. Stuff that is helpful uh, to know whether to buy something or whether not to. Maybe I'll see if some of that stuff gets fixed in a later printing. I don't think it's going to be stuff that would kill it if you are already familiar with Shadowrun, but if you're coming into it uh, pretty much um, clueless like me, if it's missing some references to rules and stuff like that, that's going to just confuse me and make me want to throw the book against the wall. So, Anyway, check out that review of Shadowrun 6E over at Cannibal Halfling Gaming and CannibalHalflingGaming.com and see if you rev uh, agree with it. Now, Rob Wyland over at Forbes is reviewing the, the recent Call of Cthulhu starter set. I've mentioned that before, and it's been out for a while, but uh, part of the reason I mention it is just cool to see Call of Cthulhu on Forbes. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Times have changed. Call of Cthulhu RPG getting reviewed on at Forbes.com. And there's actually another... Um, uh, within the post, there's a, a link to a video of um, some uh, folks from um, uh, that are part of a Critical Role um, uh, running a uh, Call of Cthulhu adventure, Shadow of the Crystal Palace. And this is something that I started uh, watching um, just briefly, but I need to go back to it. But they're all costumed and stuff, and it looks really cool. So there's the added bonus of a video uh, there of a of an actual play of uh, Call of Cthulhu. You want to check that out? That's over at Forbes.com. All right, moving on over at the Allegis Downport, AllegisDownport.wordpress.com. Um, this is it's a traveler blog, but I don't have anybody's name to to. to uh, oh wait, there's an about tab. So if I can. It still doesn't have their name, even under the About tab. So, um, But anyway, there's a review of a recent Cepheus engine slash Traveler um, product, Outlaw, Crime in the Clement, Clement Sector, from Gypsy Knight Games. And Gypsy Knight's Games is probably the the biggest, you got to be the biggest supporter, third-party supporter of Traveler and Cepheus engine. And so I wanted to give them some love. People out there playing Cepheus Engine and Traveler. New product out, uh, Outlaw Crime in the Clement Sector from Gypsy Knights Games. You can check that out over at the AllegisDownport.wordpress.com site. And my mouth is already failing me, so. Um, Pookie over at Reviews from Royer has been doing this whole series, tons of posts, kind of uh, all having to do with B1 and B2, you know, and Search the Unknown and um, keep, um, keep on the Borderlands. And it's basically reviews of all these different products that sort of were, you know, are kind of add-ons peripheral to that. So I put up a link to just a tab that'll take you to all this, but there is, um, you know, spinoff stuff from B1, spinoff stuff from, you know, B2. There was the Basic Fantasy did uh, the Chaotic Caves. It's kind of obviously inspired from Keep on the Borderlands and stuff. I got all these reviews, uh, all these links over there uh, to check that out from the B-Series stuff. And that comes up later. I've, I've got, um, that led me down the rabbit hole to something else. So you'll hear that get mentioned again later in the podcast. But anyway, if you're, if you, if you're like millions of gamers out there and 
cut your teeth on B1 and B2 and still have a lot of love for those. You can find out about a bunch of kind of related products, OSR products, uh, supporting or inspired by those modules you might not have been aware of. So a great series going on over at rulierreviews.blogspot.com. Okay, speaking of series, at the Indie Game Reading Club, IndieGameReadingClub.com, they have been doing a series of posts taking a deep dive into the Invisible Sun box. And, uh, you know, if you're anything like me and you're unlikely to spend a couple hundred bucks plus on this thing anytime soon but are still curious about it, I've got a link that'll take you up to all the Invisible Sun posts over there. That's uh, Paul Beakley's blog. Uh, they start off, you know, kind of just talking about it generally. Then they go through uh, the different books that are part of it, uh, starting with The Key then there's a podcast about it, and then another book called The Gate. And so there, if you had any questions, wanted to know st something about Invisible Sun, I've not seen anywhere on the internet that's got uh, a deeper dive or more information than this ongoing series over at the Indie Game Reading Club. So check that out if you're curious about that game. This is really cool at xenopusarchives.blogspot... Uh, blah, 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 blah. blah xenopusarchives.blogspot.com They've got a link to a video from a John Ratliff that is giving a, a talk on a brief history of Tolkien RPGs. So, um, anyway, it's it's been out for, some, for a few years, it looks like. Uh, several years, but anyway, it was from MerpCon, it looks like. and uh, But it's still an interesting video to watch talking about a brief history of Tolkien RPGs. Of course, there's been other games since then. Uh, Rob Conley actually mentions in the bottom that The One Ring and Adventures of Middle-Earth um, have come out since this video, but if you want to learn about the different Tolkien RPGs and brief history of it, I thought that might be interesting. And now, a word from our sponsors. All right, let's roll some dice on these random tables. See what we get. I'm start. I couldn't pass up going back over to the Mance, the Mance Gaming because Cackle Charm put up an awesome post, a dungeon graffiti generator. And this reminds me of running a Stonehell. You know, there's some graffiti on the walls there. You don't see enough graffiti, uh, you know, in dungeons, uh, published dungeons or whatever. So let's check out what that graffiti on the wall is. We're going to start, the graffiti is written by orcs, made with feces, <laughs> that's fitting, <laughs> I just in my last cam uh, set campaign session I had some orcs playing a game where they're just throwing, you know, throwing their poop against the wall, so the orcs uh, have made some graffiti with their feces in order to mark their territory, and the graffiti depicts... Uh, doodles of monsters, traps, weapons, armor, and treasure. So almost like cave paintings or something to uh, mark their territory. So you want to roll up some more dungeon graffiti. A great post over there from Cackle Charm at themancegaming.blogspot.com. DG Chapman over at the Grave Robber's Guide. Graverobbersguide.blogspot.com has a post. D6 Strange Arrows. Let's see what we get. Uh, this is a purplish metal arrow that seems unnaturally strong. 
The target of this arrow will feel no pain, instead receiving a message from the archer's mind. Words, images, and thoughts conveyed in a flash. Huh. Interesting. Do one more D6 strange arrow. A slight slender golden arrow refuses to hit or damage any living thing, but will always strike true if aimed at anything else the archer can see. So that is cool. And box full of boxes. Box in a box over at boxfullofboxes.blogspot.com has a post on a place of commerce and enterprise. So what this is, is part four of a series of tables they've been doing to roll up demographics of community. And they say this entry focuses on merchants, traders, professionals who populate the various areas of the world. So commerce, enterprise, shops, stuff like that. So what kind of shop is this? This is a crafter such as a tailor or haberdashery. How's the business doing? It is dwindling. The flow of customers or clients has almost dried up completely, though this may be the fault of the owner rather than the community dying. So the tailor is not doing well. Who runs the place? Um, the ownership of the business is unclear or actively obfuscated. So, yeah, and what's unique about it? Oh, the owner is getting a majority of their stock or funding from an illegitimate source, such as smugglers, or acting as a front. So that uh, goes with the ownership of the business being unclear. So this is really good stuff. Don't only just check this one out, A Place of Commerce and Enterprise. Also check out the uh, this whole series. It's got a link that will take you to the other posts in the series that uh, Box in a Box has been doing over here. So really good creative stuff. Uh, very helpful uh, to spur your imagination over there at boxfullofboxes.blogspot.com. All right, so free stuff. Not a ton of free stuff this week, but uh, awesome stuff nonetheless. Um, I did see some links, you know, that would take you over to free, pay-what-you-want stuff on drive-through, but I really try to just keep it about the blogs or at the very least uh, keep it at places you don't have to register, like itch.io. You can usually just download without... Uh, having to register unless you're paying for something. So anyway, um, started over at rendedpress.blogspot.com, Matthew Schmier's blog. I've mentioned numerous times how they, they give a lot of support to zines out there. They've got a new issue of their toss-off zine available for download. I had mentioned earlier when I was talking about Pookie and Rolier Reviews doing uh, a bunch of stuff about the B1, B2 modules um, following their review from the B1 In Search of the Unknown campaign source book, uh, I found the, the free link for that. And that's something I'd had. I, I, I can't remember exactly. It came out probably 10 years ago, but I can't remember. I probably downloaded it somewhere around Google Plus years or whatever. But this is a really cool um, PDF uh, that's housed over at the Xenopus Archives. So you'll see the link to the review a link to the Xenopus archives, and then I put up the PDF review so you could find it really easy, easily. But it's got uh, retrospective comments from James Malashevsky from Grognardia. It's got a Q&A with Mike Carr, um, who wrote uh, B1. Um, it's got a bunch of little articles and stuff, sample stocking for it. So you know this is one that's uh, since uh, Goodman Games has since uh, published a 5e conversion that's got some other kind of retrospective material in it, but this is a great free PDF that just shows a lot of love to In Search of the Unknown. So don't miss that. If you don't have that one yet, this PDF yet, 
you want it. So download that for free right now. And then finally on the free stuff, I, I noticed this over at pretendo.games. Uh, they were talking about their um, one-page, one-hit-point RPG, Hit Plus Die, that they created for this one-hit-point jam. And uh, this is housed over at itch.io. I love the jams that they do over there. There's been that Sword Dream jam, the Pamphlet Dungeon jam, uh, the Tunnel Goons, Goon jam, and now there's one hit point jam. And this is where the concept is all the characters in the game must only have one hit point and must never gain any more. Other than that, you do whatever. So I've got a link to um, the pretendo.game site to see their their game and then also a link over to itch.io where you can download all these submissions for the one hit point jam i thought that was a really cool idea so check it out all right several really interesting um posts under the miscellaneous heading um today and i'm starting over at blackgate blackgate adventures in fantasy literature blackgate.com there's a lot of good sci-fi pulp related posts that go up here there's an excellent one called That Buck Rogers Stuff, which is kind of an essay on um, about Buck Rogers and about robots and uh, and about um, uh, kind of science fiction growing up and uh, that sort of thing. Um, lots of cool old Buck Rogers comic strips and stuff in this one, so I, uh, I thought... Um, I thought this was a great post, and since there are some Buck Rogers games and stuff out there, it kind of, if you squint, it uh, it has to do with RPGs, but it was just a really good, really, really good, well-written post with a lot of cool comic strips, so check that out at blackgate.com, that Buck Rogers stuff. Then over at Adventures Under the Dark Sun, I've been following along with them posting up these images of the Dark Sun trading cards. And uh, so number five is up now. If you've been following those along with those, I love the artwork on those. Really cool post going back over to Hero Press, HeroPress2.blogspot.com. They posted a video. It's about 40 minutes long. The history of original Dungeons and Dragons kind of ties in with Arneson Day. And so a uh, cool video. You want to watch a, a, a nice video on the history of OD&D, you can check that out. The link is over at the Hero Press site. I really liked this, Martin O over at the Goodberry Monthly blog, goodberrymonthly.blogspot.com, continued their series on Galax Hall. It's kind of a mini-mega dungeon, so to speak. And uh, they've been working on it for several posts now, so when you go to the link that I've got, it's for rooms 24 through 34, but at the top of the post, it's got the intro to the mega dungeon, as well as uh, the first couple of installments of the... Uh, of the rooms. They're using Alex Schroeder's uh, mapping tool, uh, the grid mapper for the maps for this. And um, their Galax Hall is like a university building in their Wizard City setting. So this is a, you know, ongoing series creating a mega dungeon right before your eyes. So be sure and follow along with that over at Goodberry Monthly under Galax Hall. Diamond Games, um, forget his name David Pignandoli did a great post um, the forest trees plants herbs and more and what they'll do is they'll, they'll, they'll collect a bunch of OSR related blog posts and stuff under topics and so you end up with a lot of wilderness um, adventuring resources here urban plant generators uh, 
reagents in the wilderland, uh, uncommon vegetation, uh, a bunch of just useful, cool posts with generators and all kinds of stuff to help you if you're running stuff out in the, out in the outskirts. So check that out over at Diamond Games, D-A-I-M-O-N-Games.blogspot.com. And then finally, I thought this was a really cool post over at Paul's Game Blog. Um, at uh, paulsgameblog.com, Tools in D&D. And it's talking about technology level in games. And this is this kind of came up a little bit uh, on some other Anchor podcasts recently talking about... Um, realism or you know how much realism you want in your games but basically the basic idea here is looking at different tools and would they exist at different time periods um uh, and it's even got a link within the um, post to a site that lists dates of various important renaissance inventions and discoveries so uh, I, i thought it was a cool history post and something that you could maybe use in your games depending on what level of realism uh, and historical kind of accuracy you want in your games. All right, so for the final topic today, I'm just calling this Nope. Basically, there was a couple of blog posts that came out about uh, a couple of things D&D related that I just say Nope to. <clears throat> Number one, box text. Read along, read out loud, box text. And number two, fudging dice. So first, over at DM's Workshop, dmsworkshop.com, they put up a post called Mastering the Box Text. And they talk about how there's been a lot of debate between adventure writers and dungeon masters regarding the effective use of so-called box text. Um, one interesting tidbit from here, you know, I, I, don't, I don't like box text for numerous reasons. Um, it's really always kind of canned. And I like kind of just doing it myself. In fact, a lot of the time, the the less description, the better. Um, I think about, um, uh, I think I already mentioned uh, uh, Stonehell earlier in this podcast. And then there's also uh, Castle of the Mad Arch. No, is it it Castle of the Mad Archmage or Castle? I think the Wizards did the a 5e version that might be the same title of the uh of the osr one but there's another mega dungeon uh castle of the castle of the mad archmage where it's just the room descriptions are very 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 brief very very brief and i like that easier to run and you can do your own thing with it but what was interesting in this post something i didn't realize it's talking about the origin of box text the first time box text was introduced was in the hidden shrine of Tomoe Choan when it was a competition module. And that is the only time I would say that box text makes sense. And you could think about why they did it because you don't want to give an unfair advantage to any table. You want at each table in the competition, you know, at the tournament or whatever, to, to hear the exact same thing, to be given no more, no less than the same information that another group got. And if you just left it up to DMs, who knows, they may have slipped ahead and revealed something. They may have gone too easy or gone too hard, whatever. The box text in, the, in a tournament module served the purpose of making sure that it was 
completely fair and that every table got the exact same information. So I, I didn't realize that that was where the first box tech was, text was introduced. So I found that very interesting. And, and that would be, I guess, the one exception. Otherwise, can't stand it. And it makes me think about uh, some of these really long-winded, like, <clears throat> I'm not sure if it's boxed or maybe it's just, I'd have to open it up, but like the old Ruins of Undermountain box set. Uh, where you have these rooms where it's almost like, you know, you can never just run it free form at the table. You really have to read the room and know every single, you know, all this. And sure, sometimes a, a room can be more complicated than others. But if it's this long, you know, if you've got paragraph after paragraph that you're reading the players, um, it's pretty, it's just not something I like. I don't know. But other people do like box text. So if it's something you like chime in. I mean, nobody's right or wrong. It's just uh, something I'm not a fan of. But anyway, really cool article about uh, if you're going to use it, how to use it to be, uh, you know, to be more effective with it, make it your own and that kind of thing. But anyway, you can check that out at dmsworkshop.com. And then as far as fudging, this was over at the Alexandrian, the Alexandrian.net. And they're, you know, in, in, uh, encouraging people not to fudge. They you know, not to fake, you know, to, to use, um, to change dice rolls. And they give lists of justifications that people have used in the, in the past, reasons to fudge, railroading, trying to enforce a preconceived outcome, to prevent a player character's death, you know, to try to take it easy on them, to try to make the story better or correct a mistake you've made. And now I'm sure at some point, in my life, I probably fudged a dice roll. I can't remember a specific instance. I'm sure it's probably happened, and it probably happened for one of those reasons. In fact, I think probably the most common is maybe a DM feeling bad about killing players. If anybody listens to my recaps, I feel bad about killing them, but I kill them anyway. <laughs> oh... But I, I actually like, uh, you know, I like big rolls, actually. I usually use a screen, but when I'm playing online, I mean, the rolls are right there for everybody to see. And even at the table, you know, real-life table, when it's some kind of crucial role, I would make the drama, you know, get the drama going and roll it in front of everybody so everybody can either be have their hearts ripped out or, or be elated, you know. But I think in the, this article, uh, Justin Alexander um, touches on this a little bit, but it, it's a really good article on fudging if you want to check it out. They got a lot of responses to it as well. But um, for me, the, the not the not being able to predict what happens, the um, the un, unpredictability of the of the dice roll is what really makes the game. And even when something bad happens or maybe it doesn't go according to plan you know that's when really interesting things can happen and the game can uh, take on uh, spontaneous qualities as well as go places you never would have imagined for it to go honestly trying to pre-plan and know too much um, is a fool's errand anyway as anybody that's uh, gm'd a lot will tell you so uh, but i mean other people might have, I've seen people make defenses of fudging dice, you know, and have their own reason for it or whatever. Um, but for me, 
I let the I like to let them fall where they may, even if it means uh, the character dies, even if it means the story doesn't go where I might have assumed it wasn't going to go, or, or whatever else. However, if you're listening to this and you have a different opinion, I'm not. Uh, I'm just froth. I'm you know I'm not. <laughs> uh, you know my my ideas are just my ideas. You might have a different opinion. So if you uh, if you like box text, or if you have circumstances where you might like box text, or if you like fudging, or you have circumstances where you will fudge, or uh, or anything like that, I'd love to hear from you. You can uh, message me on the Anchor app here, or send me an email, frostsoft at gmail.com. But for me, it's a big no, two thumbs down, no box text, no fudging. All right, that is the show for this week. <clears throat> Struggled through a little bit of a mild headache, but no excuses. No excuses. Hump day, there's no crying on hump day. It is what it is. It's got to come out. You know why it's going to come out? Because uh, I want to give it to the listeners, you know. We get a lot of support, a lot of folks checking out the shows. And uh, kind words, people sharing it retweeting it, um, enjoying it. So rain, sleet, or snow, i got to get that hump day to you. And I am so thankful to folks listening to my shows, uh, my kind of analytics here on Anchor, my my average listens and stuff. It's been slowly creeping up. So if you're out there listening, I want you to know I appreciate you. It makes me want to keep putting out content for you. And keep highlighting awesome content that other folks are doing. You know, a lot of what I do is really just shining the spotlight on other people's work. You know, I'll do stuff over the weekend, uh, highlighting some new 5e products that are coming out. And then I like to do this to shine a spotlight on the awesome bloggers out there. Bloggers, it's kind of thankless, you know, they're just putting out awesome stuff week after week out of their own love for the game. And, um, not looking for much in return. So if you enjoy any of these posts and everything, go over, tell people you enjoy it, share it, whatever. Put them on your blog blog, uh, blog roll if you're a blogger yourself. And uh, that's the other thing I was going to say. You want to support Old Froth? Well, there's a few ways, you know. If you still don't have the Thought Eater blog on your blog roll, it's a great way to increase visibility for other bloggers. You know, I got going on 900 on <laughs> on my blog roll at this point i don't expect you to do that <laughs> not everyone uh will go that far but uh, if you're liking what i'm doing want to add me to your blog roll that would be awesome if you're listening to me on something like apple Podcasts, somewhere you can leave a rating you know you're you're digging what i'm doing leave me a rating if you want to throw a dollar in the tip jar i've got a one dollar a month patreon uh where you can go to patreon.com forward slash thought eater and just sign it up, you know, once a month, a dollar a month will come out of your bank account. You won't even notice it, but you'll be supporting old froth. I'd love to hear feedback on any of the topics we discussed, whether it is the fudging the dice rolls, whether it is the love for Arneson, box text, Buck Rogers, any of this stuff. You can use the Anchor app to message me or you can send me an email frostsoftfrothsof at gmail.com 
Don't forget that all of these links and all the links to previous hump days, it's a lot, y'all. It's a lot. But if you want to go down the rabbit hole, see weeks and weeks and weeks of awesome blog stuff, maps, free stuff, reviews, all kinds of stuff, just go over to the Thought Eater blog, frothsoftfrothsofdnd.blogspot.com. Got some exciting stuff coming around the corner. A couple little secret things I don't want to talk about just yet. One secret thing might be out sooner than later. Um, but anyway, that is uh, yet to come. We'll see what I come up with for Friday, 5-Minute Friday. That'll be the next you hear from me. Might be something Arneson-related. Anchorites appreciate Arneson Month is rolling along after all. So we'll see. But at any rate, I am really thankful for you listening. I hope you have a great rest of the week. And Logan, let let's go. Sickly platypus, a psychic grenade, zeroing in on your mental trade. Gonna help you escape from the grind. Thought eater gonna blow your mind. Boom, 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 boom,